Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to the 113th Church Mag Podcast. It was literally a perfect storm where we only had like really three or four guys who were trained to run the system. A church of 300 and 400, do you think that your pastor would know or would be willing to learn slides? That expert needs to now become an expert at another position as well. This week's podcast is brought to you by Church Mag Press. Church Mag Press has all kinds of awesome resources for church tech creatives and leaders. You'll find ebooks, stock photos. We even have a training course for new sound techs. Check it out, churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. Summer vacations and Christmas break. Does your church tech team have a plan B? How about a B team? This week we talk about the importance of having a backup plan for church tech. If you'd like to join the conversation, use the CMAGCast hashtag on Twitter, email us at podcast at churchmag, or visit the churchmag podcast page on churchmag. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider, the usual suspects, and uh, we're suspecting that we're going to have some fun today, hopefully. Um, that, that, that was terrible. Like, if I was writing, I'd be backspacing. I'd be backspacing, because I was trying to be clever, like, off the cuff, and that sometimes that does not end well. It doesn't end well, kind of like when you don't have a plan B, or better yet, a B team, for your church tech team. Boo! Um, <laughs> uh, because... Here we are, we're in the midst of summer, there's summer vacations, and let's be honest, when we get close to the some of the other holidays, the winter holidays, there's going to be vacations again, and you need to have a B-team, and we're pivoting some of this on uh, Phil's post that uh, dropped earlier this month, um, in the month of June, the B-team planning for church tech vacations. Phil, what, uh, wh- where'd you get this idea? What, 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 uh, what spurred this on? What was your inspiration? Uh, real life uh, panic attack. It was Memorial <laughs> Day weekend and our, um, our, we, we have basically the same two guys in the sound booth pretty much every week. They're great. They're very consistent and faithful. One guy on sound, one guy on the screens and lights. And it's, it's nice. And those two guys, um, both had somewhere to be. And the, I said, I asked, I asked them and the other guys associated with the sound team. I said, well, who do we have to fill in? And they said, no one. We're going to pull a drummer off the drums and put him in the sound booth and move and bring in the other drummer who's off that week. And we have no one to run the screens. And I said, are you telling me this because you want me to run the screens? And they said, well, I thank you for volunteering. And so that was how it broke down. It was literally the weekend where no one was at church. And it's just it Memorial Day weekend. I get it. People are traveling. They've got vacations. They've got plans. It's no big deal. But it was literally a perfect storm where we only had like really three or four guys who were trained to run the system. And you know what? At a church our size, it's not a terrible number, but – it's a moment where if I had not learned how to run the screens just recently because we've got a new system, I would have been completely lost. And so that's why on my article, I said, you, you need to have a, a deep list of subs. You need to cross train everyone so that everyone knows their, their, everyone else's jobs. And that includes your pastor. Your pa- you said your pastor needs. Oh, yeah. Pastors, the, pastor, the pastor should know how to do everyone's job. Not because he should be doing it. He's got better things to do. Not, not like, not like better, like 
more glorious things, but he's got a better use of his time according to the calling God's put upon his life. But the pastor should know how to do every job because in the, in the end, if you move away or you're sick, the pastor is the one left holding the bag. Don't you think that that some, somewhat depends on the church size? Because I'm thinking of larger churches like a, um, like a mega church. Like he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't know how to run that. Well, that's very true. That's very true. But I, I'm okay. So my church, um, we are in that we're on the bigger side of things, but we're nowhere near that. We we've never. How, well, how big is how big is your church? Sunday morning attendance ranges between three hundred and four hundred. Okay, so between three a church of three hundred and four hundred. Do you think right. that your your pastor would would know or would be willing to learn slides? He knows how to use them. He learned how to use um, um, planning our uh, proper center. He learned how to use it. What, what do you think about that? What do you think about that point, Jeremy? I, I really love the idea of having that backup plan because I'm a person that needs to have that in place, not only just for someone that's on vacation or someone that's sick, but someone that decides to quit. And because they're volunteers, at least in my own process, if you want to quit that day, you can quit that day because you are a volunteer. You are giving that time for yourself. And so I personally try to honor my volunteers in that process. So even with just like the idea of for the rest of the time, it is probably going to go away, then I can anticipate that process. And so I will, I am a hundred percent on board on the article and everything. It says I have a couple of other ideas to go with it, but I think that what you had laid out in that article is perfect for even especially a small, a small church. I think the larger churches you get, you start to get people on staff that that's an expectation. That's in your job description. Just do your job. But when we start talking about volunteers, what about the point of the pastor being trained on slides? Yeah, I I totally think so. In fact, my assertion in having done this for many, many years is that they require a certain way. And as soon as they start to critique how I present it, I tell them to do it themselves and then give it to me. And when they need changes done, I tell them, go make the changes yourself and can bring it back to me as far as everything within the the setup for their flow. Now, once we get into the worship stuff, if a worship pastor is the same way, I say, go do it yourself. Then if you don't like the way that I'm doing it, then go do it yourself. Shoot me the text and I'll do it. And so that requires them to know how to do it. And I think that has double and triple coverage in that process. And that's why my pastor actually, that's why he learned the the my pastor learned uh, pro presenter himself when we purchased it so that he could make his slides mm-hmm. um, for it in the best way possible. Right. I, I want to clarify when when Jeremy was saying go do it yourself, he wasn't he wasn't saying it like a bad attitude, like oh you don't like how I do it, go do it yourself. What he meant was yeah yeah. I, I think in the well, moment, I don't know how to translate Jeremy into regular people talk. I, I think I think in the moment <laughs> it was a bad attitude because it, there was no. I mean. At that point, I only had myself and I wasn't interacting with other churches and I was trying to do it all and trying to lead other people that were committed to exactly one and a half hours a week or a month. And so I was probably at the point of burnout. And there's just that problem as far as communication with the pastor. But once we started to work through that process, it was, it was uh, you don't get me your sermon slides till Saturday. I'm not coming in on Saturday to do this because I myself am a volunteer for the team lead. And so 
you need to do it yourself because you are not honoring me in that. And I think that's when I had had been angry. Um, but then after he realized that, that how important that was to me and we actually had a civil conversation after I calmed down, I think that's when things finally started rolling. And, and it was a little bit of respect and it was a little bit of you just need to understand this yourself because I don't know how much you realize how hard I'm pushing. And I think that that's probably, Phil, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably the biggest thing in that process of having a pastor learn that process is this is a lot of work. And to think about when I'm not here, that's when f- people finally value you because everything goes to pot because you're not exactly. doing what you need to do exactly. because you're new yeah. to this. And so I think that's why, and Eric, to your point earlier about a mega church, I think the pastor, of course, is not going to be learning that stuff, but a, a person on staff will be. Exactly. And so exactly. for a larger church, just scale, scale that advice upward. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, and we, we, we've already discussed that, yes, big, big churches have volunteer issues as well. But I think smaller churches, their volunteer issues are more glaring because it's, it's quicker. They, it's they, closer to the core. Closer to, closer to the core. And they fall into skeleton crew motif much faster. Yeah, it's it's true. And I, I think it's also I mean, 20 guys to run this service. We've got 12 today. Something's not getting done. Right. You know, and that, that happens to smaller churches a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. And I think it should be said as... To, to, I think it should also be pointed out, Phil, that when you were in your real life example of the drummer shifting and the guy, the drummer that's being off shifting and all this shifting going on, that is completely normal. When we when we talk about creating a B team or a uh, you know like a, a second string of of people that know how to do this stuff, we don't actually mean a dedicated team per se. I mean, if you can, that's great, but but a lot of churches you're going to have to do that shifting. Phil's biggest point with the shifting is that you have people trained in such a way that when you do that shift, they know what to do. So, sure, your drummer might have to run sound. That's completely reasonable, especially for 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 the majority of churches, that's completely reasonable. Your biggest point, Phil, was create a system that nurtures that and makes sure that the drummer knows how to run the soundboard that you have installed. Exactly. And I think, too, um, kind of tagging on what Jeremy said, if everyone knows how to do everyone else's job, then everyone can appreciate that job more. Mm-hmm. And that's also important. And and I would say this, um, and this is one of the things I would add to the article, is I personally love the idea of a hierarchy in volunteers of you have the people that just get their position and they do it better than you can as a team lead. And so they are the experts in that process. There's those people that are coming on board that are learning it. There's those people that are kind of like an intern or probation. But then there's those people that not only are experts at their position, but if you give them that ability, then you make them go be experts at other positions. And for me, whenever I was running team lead at the very end at my last church, my process was that expert needs to now become an expert at another position as well. And actually, instead of having like the sound person who is the expert, I actually made them the professional floater. And so they were still always on, always volunteering every single week. But because they were such an expert at that process, they were floating to wherever there was a need. And because it was a big enough church, there was always going to be some kind of position being open. Or if there wasn't a position, they didn't need to worry about that. They were training some of the probationary or internship people. And so every single week they were volunteering just like everybody else was in their position, but they were doing everybody's job or teaching someone else how to do that job. And so I would say having that floater means you don't ever have to worry about pulling the drummer because they're always going to be there. And so it's always a 
plus one for your volunteer team. Right. And with the cross training, there's there's fringe benefits as well. Uh, for instance, worship practice. You know, not every not not every system or team or whatever can have a regular sound guy at worship practice because. You know, the sound guy, there's there's a lot of pressure mostly f- to mix the sound for the audience, and there's no audience for the worship practice. And I have I have ran sound during a worship practice, and it is like head against, you know, b- pounding my head against the wall. It is so boring because it's it's ridiculous tweaks, you know. I need a little bit of this in my thing and a little bit of that in my thing. And it's like, well, this isn't even the Sunday morning configuration, right? This is just worship practice. Like, you don't need to have this thing sounding so perfect it's like chill out play your music practice etc right and you know if you have cross training um and you know your bass guitarist or your drummer or whoever also knows how to run sound when they need to fire up the system or if there does need to be a tweak made because you do have a different lineup or someone's mic is too hot in the monitor etc etc you know they can go up they can make the little adjustment no problem you don't have to have somebody sitting back there for an hour you know, just so they can touch a couple knobs, maybe three, four times max. So you're saying you don't need a sound guy for worship practice? Ideally, you would have a projectionist and uh, a sound booth guy. But you know, let's be honest, that isn't necessarily always the um, the greatest the greatest use of kingdom resources to practice for the big show. But you know that that gets into some other stuff that really you know I don't know. If <laughs> well, I think I think it just depends on your your your. I don't know your situation, your context, or whatever. Because yes, for like for like our church, it's always been helpful for us to have a sound guy there for practice because then it's not just practice; it's also a walkthrough, mm-hmm. which is always helpful for them as well. Right, so and it depends. Like I said, in. it depends on it depends on the situation, depends on the team. Some some worship teams they just practice maybe some new songs or do a little like it isn't it isn't like a walkthrough. And I know some churches will do their their practice like Sunday morning. Um, an hour before service, and so it's just a matter of people getting to church earlier. And as a sound guy, that was that was great. I mean, that was easy, uh, no problem. It's 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 that whole like middle of the week, another night that you have to dedicate a few hours, um, just another thing, and it can kind of get a little bit laborious. It was just kind of my point. Was no, that. that's a good point. That's a fair point. We're also assuming that the entire worship team is not ad-libbing the entire service after you've practiced it. So I've had too many experiences where it's like, we've done this entire practice. I had to sit through the practice on Saturday nights because you need me to be here because apparently that's important. And then Sunday morning, you've changed some of the lyrics up, even though we haven't actually practiced it. And then during the service, you're going back to that course again and again, again, even though we never practiced it, nor was it in your tweaks. So I'm actually a hundred percent on board with Eric's style if that's the case. So, right. Like I said, it really depends. It just really depends on how your, your church does it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone to that many churches in my life and they've all done it so drastically different. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No joke. So just, just, you know, just stuff to think about mostly. Yeah. And just just reaffirming and really um, saying, Hey, you know, or let's say you like you're saying, Phil, you know, you kind of do that that run through and you need the sound guy there and the projectionist there and somebody's sick or uh, there was a conflict of schedule. You know, it's not the end of the world. Right. And you have somebody cross trained that can step in there and take care of it for you. Exactly. We are Sunday morning worship practicers. And and to your point, Jimmy, we are the most liturgical Pentecostals in the world. Once we practice it, that's how we do it. We're <laughs> that beautiful is people is what you are. There's, yeah, there's no deviation. <laughs> um, 
And now, now, as far as like the uh, monthly practices, Eric, or the quarterly practices for new stuff, my brother is our current worship leader, and he always caters it. So one time he had, he brought in Chipotle. Um, one time, I forget what else. I think he made, I think he did subs one time. He always caters it. He's a good, good man. He is a good, good man. Now, does that fall under donut ministry? Or lunch, dinner, minute? How does that work? He pays out of his own pocket. I don't think it is not, it's not on the church budget. That's out of his own pocket. That, that's, that's called sainthood. That's, that's a Jeremy yeah. joke. Well, I thought we'd... That's, that's what Jeremy talks about, taking ownership of your team, and he's really good Absolutely. about that. Seriously. Chipotle, <laughs> I am all up in there. You just need me to sit back here? Well, and that's, that's also honoring your volunteers. <laughs> right? So I'm a little bit different. If you're just throwing out donuts for anybody to gobble up, and you got the old lady that just decides that she owns five of those donuts then i have a little bit of why does it got to be an old lady jeremy why's it got to be old lady? it's always an old lady it's always an old lady See, jeremy angry, jeremy you know what i've seen the old ladies but we have a few old men who do the same thing <laughs> right most of my old men are asleep so that's a different story <laughs> but the old ladies the old ladies wrap two in their, in their napkin and put in their purse and they say in case i get hungry in service they kind of pat you on the on the arm as they walk away and i'm like get hungry in service that, that it's only an hour and a half that kind of stuff happens in italy like um there's a big long line and a little lady walks in with a with a what cane Baking bread in service she, in Italy. No, area. she cuts in line. She goes to the front, and no one says a word. Everyone's irritated, but no one will say a word because she's she's you know up there in age. I think we finally found a segment of the population that we can say things that you can say you can talk about, Phil, and not offend from the podcast. I am very old. Ladies of my church love me. <laughs> I am well liked by the old lady part of my church. I think they think I'm adorable and kind of like a look at the awkward duck kind of way, you know. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. A six foot seven duck. I'm six foot three and a half, man. Not that. Huge. Yeah, but I like saying six foot seven, Phil, because in my mind you are. Not in my mind you are, Phil. Well, towering above. In my heart, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a size large, five foot ten, so I can fit into things. Whenever I think of Jeremy, I all I think of him is clicking his mouse because every podcast, him in the background playing Minecraft, click, 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 click. Oh look, I found, I found some quartz, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! All right, so if we would, if we were going to sum this up, bottom line, what what do you guys, what what would your final word to uh, people that? Uh, when they're thinking about their tech team and summer vacations and winter vacations and holidays and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to let me go first because I'll throw a curveball. Okay. <laughs> let me go first so I can make this episode longer instead of summing it up. Hey, it's like you know me. So, <laughs> yes. So <I'll> add- yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where Eric thinks the pod- podcast isn't wrap- is wrapping up. Instead, it's the halfway no, mark. No, you don't have to do that. So I'll throw one more thing out there as far as on top of Phil, what you wrote is what if you decide you don't have a team there? And again, this is depicted on your whole service and how big your church is and the acoustics and everything. But I've actually had this happen where I didn't have a B team. I was actually the one leading and I pitched to the worship team. Why don't you have an acoustic thing? Because it was a summer events where our attendance was about 50% because it was middle class. Everybody was going on vacation. So we were only at 50%. We weren't live streaming or anything like that at the time, because this was like five, 10 years ago. And so they actually just encouraged everybody to come up to the front and middle, which threw off all of the Baptists. And it was a hilarious uh, process. And then they just had an acoustic worship where they busted out the tithe books, which are the, the liturgy books and, 
yeah, the tithe books, that's a whole different thing. And they just sat there and they worship together. There was no worship team practice. It was just the worship leader leading the entire congregation. And it's something that we hadn't done for a long time. And it's still talked about today. So that's a twist on the whole thing for the church tech team, especially if your worship team will join in with that. Great point, Jeremy. Actually, um, on Sunday nights, because we have we have two services on Sunday, Sunday morning, which is our regular service, and Sunday night, which is our traditional service we've been having on Sunday nights for the past 60 years, and it's just, it's the old people. And um, yeah, it's funny, this is a side note, they told us, we asked them originally, when did you guys start doing a Sunday night service? They said, oh, back in the back in the 60s or the, I don't know, 50s, whatever. Yeah, it was our, our evangelistic outreach service. And I'm like, well, that's not working very well now. <laughs> no one's coming to church on Sunday night to get saved, but whatever. Um, we um, numerous times throughout the past two years, we have not had a full band, and so we just pull out. We pull one of our drum, our drummers got a, a cajon. He pulls it out. We put a mic in that, and we just do a cajon and a guitar and um, some voices. That's it. So yeah, that's a great great way to work around not having your full team, your full complement of volunteers there. I think my point is this. Vacations are going to happen. People are going to leave. Value the volunteers you have by, by, by training others, not to replace them per se, but to be able to come alongside them and say, hey, you're, what you do is so important. We have to have two or three guys here as a backup in case you get sick or you go on right. vacation or whatever. Right. Yes, I completely agree. The cross training, the having a having subs, having a B team, whatever you want to call it, call it maybe all those all those separate things, uh, depending on on uh, your pool of volunteers. The benefits of doing this for a, a, a church tech team are so huge. You can't. You really shouldn't do it any other way. Um, the benefits of of you know, there's less stress. You know, if somebody leaves, I mean, everything holistically will run smoother everyone will be happier people will understand respect one another i mean there there's just so many benefits you have if you're not doing this you need to do it because chances are you you're a church tech volunteer or you're a, a head of you know overseeing church tech volunteers and people are stressed people probably are over volunteering and because it's the niche of tech sometimes they get pigeonholed and stuck in those places and by doing this it will relieve some relief and pressure on them and they can they can begin enjoying doing church tech like they did when they first started i love it when a podcast comes together send us an email subscribe and search for previous episodes of the church mag podcast by visiting churchm.ag that's church mag churchm.ag until next week I love how you chose an A-team image I wanted you to do that but I didn't want to boss you I watched it numerous times because it's an afternoon movie I don't know why it did I went to watch it knowing that it had gotten crapped on pretty bad in the reviews and stuff and I was very pleasantly surprised I don't know if it's because I enjoyed it because I went into it thinking that it was going to be bad I think some people criticize it for being like over the top like you know they're falling from the sky in a tank and they're steering it. Are they are they trying to shoot down that reaper? No, they're flying that tank. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, if you think of the TV show, I mean, they did crazy things. They would, well, the craziest thing of the TV show is they would unload two hundred rounds of ammo and kill no one.
The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. I love it when a plan comes together. 